Days Five Hot Takes. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to Days Five Hot Takes. This is Dave. So excited you guys are back. Um, this is a really fun episode. Um, so as you know, I've had um, friends uh, and artists and songwriters on um, to talk about music, talk about their hot takes. Um, one of my favorite podcasts in the world is called Great Song Podcast, and these two guys, uh, JP and Rob, know music. They love love, love music, and they really know it. If you like podcasts and you like music at all, you have to go listen to this podcast. Um, I have to give a shout out to John McLaughlin because for years and years, I just wasn't a podcast guy until about probably four or five years ago, and John always listens to podcasts, and so he was like, you got to get into them, and then it was sort of like once I got in, it just was like this deep dive, and and this podcast is one of the reasons that I love podcasts because it's just really fun listening to people who love what they're talking about, and uh, JP and Rob are definitely those two guys. Uh, their podcast is really fun because they do, they take a song most of the time and they'll just do a really deep dive on everything about the song from how it was written, where it was written, who wrote it, um, where they recorded it, what kind of instruments, what kind of amps, what the studio was like, uh, how the song performed on the chart. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the depth they go to. And for people like me, I, thrive. I live on this kind of information. It's it's one of my favorite sort of geekeries. <laughs> it sounds like a really weird donut shop. Welcome to the geekery. Um, but it, so, and I've had the pleasure, and you'll hear me talk about this, I've had the pleasure of being on their podcast a couple times. And so I thought it would be really fun to have them on, namely because they just know so much about music. And again, that's something I really love to celebrate on this podcast is music, and these guys really know it. And so, um, it was a joy having them on, and you can hear their expertise. Um, and th- this may be the deepest dive we've done on this podcast so far. And so, if you love music, buckle up because these guys uh, love it too, and they really, really, really bring some fun, um, uh, some fun takes on this. And again, just last plug for them. I'll do it again in this intro when I have them on you here in a second. But please do, do go listen to the podcast. It is one of my favorites. It's everything I love sort of in a podcast. It's two really funny guys talking about music and giving really cool takes and insights uh, that are really well done, super well researched, and really fun to listen to. So without any further ado, um, here's me talking to JP and Rob from Great Song Podcast. Okay, guys, welcome uh, to Dave's Five Hot Takes. I am I'm really excited about today's interview. This, this is these two guys um, are two of my favorite. They're two of my favorite new friends. New friends, um, new friends are friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but this is JP and Rob from one of my favorite podcasts called The Great Song Podcast, and I have been lucky enough to be um, a guest on this podcast a few times. I kind of I call myself the third member of the Trinity. <laughs> of, uh, of the hosts of the podcast. But I, I want to tell you guys how great this podcast is. So here's kind of the way that I, I would describe um, what these guys are doing. It is everything that I sort of wish that I could do, but I don't have the skill set or the um, – or the like, in, uh, the lawyer like detail <laughs> and, and and digging to pull off. I, I I never have a stronger connection to people. I feel like than when I find people who love music like, like I love music. And you know, it's funny because you'd think living in Nashville, everybody that does music loves music, and 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 they do in their own version. But but it's 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 a pretty uncommon thing when you find people who like love love music you know and so when i met these two guys 
I was like, oh, these guys love, love <laughs> music. <laughs> and that's really what the podcast is. It's this super deep dive, really well done, hysterical, fun, and incredibly informative song by song, sometimes a collection of songs, sometimes a little more band centric or artist centric, but but deep dives on recordings and songs that that were recorded. And so, you know, I, I love how you guys do the, you know, you do the meet the band where you hear the guys in the women that played on projects or the gear they use, which still blows my mind. But I love the podcast. So <clears throat> being on the podcast so much, I, I thought I've got to get these guys on today's five high takes because this is what I thought about this podcast. And this is how I'll qualify it. I think it might, this may be the most professional this podcast ever gets. Like this may be, (laughs) like this isn't just people sort of like, you know what I think is cool. Like I would, I would put you guys up in that echelon of like, you know what you're talking about. And I love, and that's one of the reasons I love y'all's podcast so much. And I have so much respect for y'all is because you really love what you do and you're really good at what you do. So when, when I was like, man, it would be so fun to have you guys on so we can actually talk. Like this is going to be some real shop talking this <laughs> okay. like i feel like it can get into that world sometimes where it's like man the, the baseline on that song is so lame and i'm like it is lame right and like yeah it's lame where i feel like you know you guys know too much to say lame you'd be like let me tell you why that hoffner <laughs> he played it had a bad pickup on the but you know or whatever it is but i'm thrilled you guys are here thanks for doing this you just set us up way too much i'm wearing yeah. a homemade t-shirt like for real <laughs> we're not refreshing. i'm wearing a homemade fab five t-shirt because we're talking about five hot takes so i went five with this you, and this. uh so yeah we're not professional at all what are you talking mm. about those thank you thank you dave for the kind words but uh, this is jp by the way and yeah and i'm rob uh we're and, both dudes. I sound a little high on the mic, but I'll go ahead and tell you, I get I get called ma'am. I get called darling on some of these yeah. interviews. And I'm like, actually, sir, I'm a dude. Um, so JP, um, I, I will tell you what it stands for maybe sometime, but it's a, I'm a male. And that is Rob. That's right. Also a male. Yeah. Also <laughs> double males. So here's, here's what I want to know. I was thinking, how did y'all meet each other? Like how long have y'all known each other? I don't know that I know this. We've known each other 20 years. Wow. Uh, we met in college. Actually, we met before college at okay this I'll, is i'll tell you how let me tell the meeting okay, story okay. because i met rob because he was playing we have this we both grew up in the church of god we're both mm. uh ccm guys or whatever but we grew up and they have this thing called teen talent and rob was playing a wolf gang through a 5150 at teen talent and just shredding and he, it was him <laughs> a drummer and a sax player no base and i'm like he's just like destroying it and i was like i've got to meet that guy so Wait, I, never I, met have it. To, I have to hit pause for a second no, you're good. <laughs> how how did you come to that iteration of a band it's it's what we had in the youth group <laughs> that's, that's you know? it's like that's exactly we didn't know anybody that played bass so like that's why he, ha- <laughs> he hadn't met me yet so there and was so- some guy at the back of that where where was this happening? Okay, so it's at like the national sort of convention for the Church of God. Oh my gosh! Right? So where? Yeah, what city? Saint Louis. Saint Louis. Yeah. Louis. I can just imagine there was an A and R scout who who stumbled into this ballroom. He's smoking. He smells like smoke. You guys take the stage, and he's like, "This is brilliant." He's like, <laughs> I've got to sign these kids. Yeah, because <laughs> so, it's kind of got that morphine. You remember morphine that had yeah. like this sat like. He's like, and you guys are like, this is what we got. He's like, he's thinking like, these guys purposely put together this sound spectrum. Yes. And I have, these guys are genius. <laughs> next, next level. And so the, the funny thing was like, we're, they're just doing all these teen talent contestants throughout the day. And we're set up in a, in a, in a room where they've got like 
bookstores and I'm stuff running like that. the so music I, department of the bookstore. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I got to meet that guy. And so it's like, just come and go as you please, you know, and mostly like older people who are traveling to this thing and they go to this assembly for like a whole week. Right. And so they introduce us and we get on stage and I go, who likes the Gaither vocal band? And they're like, yeah. And I'm, and I go, you're going to hate us. And then we oh take into our first song. <laughs> yeah. We just ripped in. Was I was great. just wondering if anybody ever started any conversation, forget stage with who likes GVB. when has that ever opened a conversation much less a show and they're like oh i take that for my heart i take gvb every every morning (laughs) you know it slows my cardiac uh (laughs) you know what's so funny that i love about you guys i was laughing so hard listening to y'all's podcast um shoot uh which one was it it's the one where y'all do like all the ccm uh deep dive like the dev awards from 19 Oh, that 98? was oh yeah. That was the Dan Hasseltine. Dan Hasseltine. Charles so Dan's yeah, when you had Dan on. And I was crying laughing that morning, running, y'all trying to figure out who the bands were. And then it was oh. like these heavy metal CCM bands. But one thing that that I think is so funny to hear that story, because I grew when I moved to Knoxville, I was playing drums and I and I joined a, a Christian like band. Like we were this like rock and roll Christian man. And I was playing drums in it. But if you have done that circuit at all, there are things that you know and share with people who have also done it that are so intimate and so bizarre. <laughs> and it's like there's a language around that scene and, and what what you've seen and the kind of people that come to those kind of shows. But like I have some of the most bizarre memories from those two years of being in that like, you know, pop rock CCM band because we wrote original songs and we we're really trying to do it. And some of the places that we played and some of the people you meet, I mean, we did a show where a guy spoke in tongues that had never happened to me. And it was just <laughs> like so wonderfully awesome and weird, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, playing on, <laughs> playing on the back of like, you know, the tractor trailers where they just pull the back up into yes. a field. Oh man, that is a very, so y'all, so y'all know each other a long time. It, w- was, yeah. the, was the love of music always shared? I mean, obviously JP, if you're working in the music section, Rob's on stage, that's going to be a pretty quick. Sure. Well, that's, well, that's how we met, but it was like a five minute conversation. And then we go, we both go end up at the same university. We go to Lee University in Cleveland mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, they have different choirs that you can try out for. So there's five auditions for the guitar player for this band. It's called Ladies of Lee. It's all girls because we're all smart girls. like that. All girls choir. I was going to say well played. So I'm the first or no, I'm the, I'm the last audition. Rob's first. And I don't know his name or whatnot. So you see the list. So Rob does his audition. Obviously, he's going to get it because he's the best musician on the planet. He's fantastic. <laughs> if I'd have known that guy was auditioning, I wouldn't have auditioned. So <laughs> we do the auditions, whatever. And they call us afterwards. And they're like, hey, how would you feel about having two guitar players? Would you? And I was like, yeah. And I show up the first day. And it's Rob. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like, you. It's like, Dude! hey, it's you. And it was like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. So we were like this rock band with uh, an all girls choir. So we were like, "How quickly can we be roommates?" <laughs> this has this has this has some of the um, overtones of the end of Dumb and Dumber. It's not quite <laughs> as sensual and or sexual, but it does have that like you were the two masseuses for the uh, <laughs> for the all women's vocal group. It, you know, it was a lot less sexy than that. It was mostly we got to carry all the heavy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You get to load the bus. 
<laughs> yeah, that was as close you got. Um, so, so a couple of things I wanted to ask y'all because obviously you love music. What, what for each of y'all was the sort of inciting incident that that not that you liked music, but you really were like, man, I l- love this. Was there a, a concert? Was it a song that came on the radio one time? Was there an age you hit where you heard a song and went, I, "This makes me, I, I like this more than most people do." Like, what was that <laughs> moment? I. For me, it was lifelong because my my parents are both musical, both always sang in church. And so mm-hmm. from day one, it was just there. And so, yeah. and my dad was in a Southern gospel groups. He played bass in Southern gospel groups all the while oh I was growing gosh. up. So I grew up on harmony mm-hmm. and, you know, those the, the certain kind of things that come with like Southern gospel that you only get in Southern gospel. They're incredible, yeah. in, in, which they do the best that anybody does. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so it was just, it was always there for me. And so I, I remember I told my mom, when I, I think I was either six or eight, I remember clearly, I remember exactly where we were in the car on the road. And I was like, mom, I'm going to, I'm going to play music for my, you know, for my career. Um, and she was like, okay, well make sure you have something else that you can do. <laughs> <laughs> that's where like, she looks over at your dad and they just look at each other for a minute and you're like, like what? Oh, and they're like, no, that's great. That's great. You want to say it or we want me to, you yeah. should say it. <laughs> Yeah. Like we tried so hard. We gave him books. We gave him, you know, baseball. We tried so many other things. Mine, mine was, I was at this uh, teen talent thing and there was this guy <laughs> playing guitar. He was playing a Wolfgang through a 5150. And I was like, man, I love music. This is awesome. Like a sax player. <laughs> no, so, um, You're like, this is the CCM morphine. I love these guys. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, um, I'm probably going to throw out some sports analogies. So through this, I'm going to go ahead and prep you. So if I do I'm that, ready. I love music, but I also love sports. So if they intertwine, I'm yeah, not trumping that. one over the other. So that's just a little disclaimer of what may come throughout this thing. I already mentioned the Fab Five thing. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like Rob. I grew up around it my whole life. Um, and I, there was not one real moment other than the the joke there. I really don't don't have one. Yeah, kind just anticlimactic answer. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's weird. I have a uh, there was. um. I think when I really, this is so weird because I grew up in Mississippi, not around a lot. I mean, I listened to music. My mom and dad loved music. But I I remember so succinctly a moment where I went to a friend's of mine. I was probably in like ninth grade and he had a stereo set up and he had the greatest hits of 1978, the Time Life CD. You know, it was like, (laughs) and he put on that CD and I remember standing in front of the stereo like something was wrong with me. Like that kid, you're like, like the Forrest Gump where he's like, is he like me? And he tilts his head. Like, but I remember standing in front of the studio, uh, I mean, in the stereo and American woman comes on and then dust in the wind comes on. (laughs) And then uh, more than a feel in Boston comes on. And I remember something changed. Like I was like, I feel so strongly about this music. Like, you know, it was like a conversion, you know, where it's like, I got to go tell people how great music is. Um, So it's funny because I, I wasn't, you know, you guys just grew up with the bug and I sort of converted later. <laughs> That's why you guys are OGs. I will tell a follow-up to that that I'll use in one of my takes. So there'll be a thing that made me develop uh, a love for the research of music that I'll mm-hmm. ta- I'll save that for one of my Oh, I like that. I like gave a little preview there. And that just so, made me think, Dave, your, your story made me think about the first time I ever wrote a song, mm. uh, which really hooked me on that. Like that's when I went, oh, this is, this is another thing. Like I love music. And then I, my cousin taught me an A7 chord. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, you can kind of take an A7 chord and move it move like it up a, and fret, a couple, and you get, you get this nice little flavor. And so, James Taylor. 
Yeah. And uh, so like immediately, you know, in five minutes, I had a song written with my two to my cousins and we sang it for like the family, you know, and I was like, OK, this is another this is that's, another level. That, that's like that's like injecting it right in your yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because you go from appreciating something to performing it and then people clap and you're like, oh, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> you know? Synthetic love. It's fantastic. <laughs> You, you, our next hit. you guys will notice as we go through this, Rob is that we call we have this game called Stump the Genius. Rob is the smartest musical of the two of us by far. He's the talent. He's like the he's the Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen combined. And they joke. <laughs> and I'm like Steve Kerr. Rob are you, calls the, Ho, are Kerr. you the Ho Grant? I, I, oh, man, I'm like, I'm not even that. I'm like uh, if he's if he's Magic Johnson and Kareem, I'm like Kurt Rambus. I'm just the guy that works really hard and knows my role and is just happy to be in the gym. Hey, so, you don't win championships without without. I know, right? You're going right. Oh my gosh, you gotta have your BJ. You gotta have your BJ Armstrong <laughs> out there just launching them from the sidelines. John Paxson. <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. So, do you do y'all remember sort of like your first music moments? You know, not when you fell in love, but like, do you have a song that you remember being the first song you heard or the concert you went to that you really loved, or kind of like your first moment that was musical? I remember the first time I cried during a guitar solo. I've told this mm. one. Me and Rob were at a show. It was Dream Theater, Joe Satriani, and oh. King's X. And Tate Bohr came out and played Cigarettes. And I was like, what is that song? What is that beautiful noise? And I remember standing and crying while Tate Bohr played a guitar <laughs> solo amidst all the smoke and sweat and everything. Wait, but, how old were you at this point? Uh, I was like 42. No, I'm just kidding. No. It, was, it, was, uh, it, it was too old to be crying at a guitar. <laughs> you, had, you were working through some other things. That's right. No. That would be an amazing show, by the way. Oh, it was wonderful. Well, it was incredible. Where was that? That was at the Tabernacle, the Tabernacle. in Atlanta. Atlanta yeah. And Mike Portnoy held his stick down and I got to we got to sing into a stick in one of the parts and I was like this world is wonderful he threw a stick into the riser and his drum tech caught the stick and threw it back down to him and he while caught, they're playing while they're playing didn't miss a lick it was wonderful so what yeah That's fantastic uh and I think uh I think mine was honestly so I started taking piano lessons real young um but it, it never really like the piano lessons part of it never really took I always just played by ear and cheated and whatever but I think the, the first thing that that hooked me on playing was uh um what's it called uh right here waiting by richard marks oh. the piano part to right here waiting uh at at five years old i went there's something to that mm. and so that i think that was it for me and you can tell by the prodigy of rob he was playing in church at five he was playing dr <laughs> he was playing drums in tell the truth rob, rob no not at five young I I, but I started Five playing and a half, technically. <laughs> okay, let's just come on, go. You know, it's funny. One of my first like Nashville moments. Like I love Richard Parks. I mean, I, his greatest hits is in always in rotation somewhere in, in the year for me. I'll have a moment. I'm like, I want to hear Hazard right now. Or, you know, like I love him. And I I was interning at uh, this studio called Emerald that was a voiceover part of the studio. So it was in the back of the studio, and it's kind of a little room. And this guy did a ton of like voiceover stuff for like um. He did all the CMT stuff where the guy has this voice mm. and he'd call in from Chicago and they would do it live stream, and, and this, which was huge at the time because it's like 1999, 98. And so anyway, I walk in the studio one day because um, I, I think I was there three days a week, two days a week. And, and um, the guy's like, hey, we're not um, going to be working today. If you don't mind just kind of hanging out, I've got a guy that's actually using the room for a co-write. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm just let me. He's like, you can just hang out or sit in the thing and just make sure they don't need anything for a few hours. I was like, great. Uh, I said, who is it? And he's like, oh, it's Richard Marks. And I was like, what? 
And he's and this is right when um this I promise you was at its zenith. Okay. So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, because he he obviously wrote that song for NSYNC. And so that stressed the wrong thing there. NSYNC. NSYNC. Is it in sync or is it Taco Bell or Taco Bell? In sync, in sync. Put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm kind of geeking out. I'm like, Richard Marks. And then the coolest part of the day, and this was where I really got geeked out, is he, this phone call comes in, he hangs up. Uh, the guy I'm working with, nobody got in there yet. And he's like, Hey, do you have a guitar on you? I was like, I actually have my guitar in my car because I had a show that night. And he's like, Do you mind if Richard uses it? I was like, Richard Marks, can you use my guitar? <laughs> and he was like, Yeah. And so Richard shows up like 30 minutes early because I think he, you know, got a taxi or something. So he, he and I sat in there and we talked for probably 30 or 45 minutes, just he and I. And yeah. I was, I mean, 21. I couldn't have been more green and excited. He's sitting there strumming my guitar. He's playing your first act guitar. Oh my <laughs> God. I'm telling you. And I, that is still one of my favorite memories. I asked him a million, and you can imagine, I asked him a billion <laughs> questions. He was so kind, like answered every one of them. I was, and then I came back later. He, he was like, man, thanks for that music guitar. I was like, oh my God, you wrote your fingers. They wrote, I'll be waiting. <laughs> strong, you know. You uh, hit that home run as an Oakland A in that music video, and it was wonderful. <laughs> you and Dennis Eckersley, just <laughs> with a ticket to kick it. Both of um, them wearing the white jerseys, so dude. nobody can be the home team in that video. Uh, it's an error. They're both wearing <laughs> white jerseys. But yeah, you guys are liars. <laughs> so with the with the podcast, who have y'all had on so far? Who, who would who would you say is one of your favorite? Or, uh, and I'm, I'm going to let y'all qualify. I will go for either favorite, most interesting, surprising. You know, somebody you had on that you went, wow, I didn't think that would be be as cool as it was, or was super cooler, or they had the coolest stories, or they were just fun to talk to. You know. Okay, so I think the biggest the biggest two surprises that we've had. Uh, one would be David Wilcox. Um, he was a surprise in one way. We just weren't ready for him in any mm-hmm. kind of way. Yeah. He's an, he's a, he's a quirky dude. Yeah. And so yeah. he was way deeper and way heavier than, than we expected. Mm. Uh, mm. and, and so to the point where it threw us off of our, like yeah, we, had, yeah. we had to start asking different kinds of questions because <laughs> clearly what we What's brought the to the table on land. Yeah, exactly. You ever because, been in a plane? what we what we brought to him was just not going to work yeah, so right, right. Um, so he it, that was unusual in that way and then i think the one that that surprised us the most because we just didn't know how freaking awesome he was was rupert holmes uh mm. the guy that escaped the pina colada song mm-hmm. uh, we just you know you kind of expect it to be like here's a guy that wrote the song and it's quirky and whatever but the guy's a genius the wow. guy's he's just like off the charts brilliant he wrote, he's written this uh, musical called The Mystery of Edwin Drood that plays on Broadway. And it, I didn't and know it that. has a, you know how the ending of the movie Clue had three alternate endings. Um, it's like that, but it has, each character has their own possible ending and the audience votes every single night what? to the point where there's like over 300 potential different twists to the ending. And the cast just has to be ready to go for whatever the ending is that night. Um and he writes novels and all this TV shows and you know, all this stuff. The guy was just off the charts brilliant and really super engaging. Wow. Um, My and- answers would be different. I would go Mark Farner and Don McLean oh. just because those were big for me. But the craziest story, I think, is probably the, the Credence story. I was at work. And, uh, and I get, I work for enterprise, um, and I was getting these emails and I'm just replying to emails and they're like, uh, JP called 
uh, Mr. Clifford. So I called his phone number. I'm like, hey, is this Mr. Clifford? And he's like, yeah, but you can call me Cosmo. And it clicks. Holy cow, this is the drummer for CCR. <laughs> and so I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, I've been trying to get a hold of you and I keep getting Enterprise. I'm like, well, that's my job. He's like, I want to come on your podcast. I was like, yeah. So I go out in the parking lot and I call uh, and we talk for like 20 minutes about random things. And I'm like, yeah, we, we got a spot. So I call Rob, Rob doesn't answer. So who's the person you call after that? You call, I call my dad and my dad's like, oh my gosh. He's like, you talk to the drummer for credit. He's like, quit your job. And I'm like, dad, I can't quit my job. But uh, yeah, so that was, I think that was the uh, biggest shock for me is, is, was him. That would be the one. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give each of you three, three answers, three like boxes for this one. Who, if you could have anybody on the podcast to talk about, you know, to talk about a song or their career, or whatever. Who, who are the three for each of y'all? All right, my white whale is Weird Al Yankovic. Okay, uh, that's my number one get. If I could get anybody in the world, that if, is amazing. If 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 Mozart was still alive, Weird Al would still be my number yeah. one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, uh, that's my number one. Bruce Hornsby would be my number two. Um, and then at this point, now that Eddie Van Halen has left us, probably mm. Billy Joel would be my number three. Mm. Yeah, those are good. Those are our three. Um, we've got to put the person that started it, Mark Cohn. We haven't got mm. him yet for walking in Memphis. Yep. Uh, and then I don't know how to pick my next two because I want to go random. Uh, John Petrucci from Dream Theater. And then somebody that you could probably help us with. I really want to get Dan Huff. I like, uh, oh, I'm, yes. I'm a giant fan. We haven't gotten him. And the, there's one in my hot takes that I'm going to drop. So, but well, you know, you, you, you intro this well and you give us a little teaser. I think it's, it may be time to jump in and do the five hot takes. And what's fun about this is I told the guys for all the listeners out there, I didn't want a cumulative five hot takes. I wanted <laughs> each of them to have five because it was, I knew it was going to be too good. And it was too much of an ask to be like, Hey, just combine them. Cause then, you know, that could cause some infighting and, you know, <laughs> We end up breaking up the show. Uh, yeah. So, so I say each of y'all, you know, let's do one each until we get to the end of this thing. Cause I'm, I'm so excited about these. I want you to know. I'm just, this is really fun. So uh, who wants to go first? Go ahead, Rob. Kick it off. All right, Rob. Okay. Let's get the first, first. Oh, and one thing too, we didn't prep these together. Like we did, this is like That's we do better. on our show. We don't talk about anything before till we go live. Like love we that. don't practice. We just go. Um, so we may have the same hot take. Who knows? But I've got, a, I have a list of nine that I've narrowed down to six and I'm going to pick one. <laughs> On the spot that gets cut, so I don't How know. How amazing would it be, like you said, JP, that y'all literally all had, they, they were five for five the same. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Like y'all had avatar together, like your head would just become one. Uh, I've got some okay, kick us off, Rob. Hot take one. Okay, let's start with this. Um, Caribbean Queen by Billy Ocean. Yes. Okay, we all know the song. Yes. Uh, if you listen to Caribbean Queen. Then listen to Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. They're the same song production wise. Uh, <sighs> Billy Ocean, his, whoever produced that track, 100% ripped off Billie Jean down to the like trumpet part and the, like the little, it's, it's oh all my it's, gosh, the drum loop, the bass line. It is 100% <laughs> a rip off of Billie Jean. Holy cow. The thing that's crazy and it's not embarrassing says I know that song really well. So like you're ch I'm playing it in my brain. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I love that freaking song. And the little, set, dun, dun. I mean, it's all there. It's all, all the cow. elements. Isn't it amazing to think how much like hits 
have to do with the songs that come after it. You know, when you have a global hit like Billie Jean, it's impossible that somebody's not going to be like, let's just do something in that world. You know, a a side shoot of Billie, I've always wanted to talk about this on on the show, but that song, Billie Ocean, that song suddenly, chord-wise, life has new meaning to me, beauty up above, things I never get to notice of, wake up suddenly and you're in love. It has got some of the weirdest, like LSD induced chord changes. <laughs> that is one of mine. You know, I have, I have a little, I have a little place in my head of songs and I'm always like, how in the world did they pull that off? And how in the world did somebody at a radio? And I mean, it's a hit. It is like you hear it and you're like, I love that. But you'd have to think them sitting in the room. They're like, I can't believe we're doing this, man. I can't believe we're doing it. <laughs> you know, it's like they had a pinwheel where they were just spinning it and throwing a dart and whatever chord they hit. They were like, well, we got to play a D here. I don't know how to make that work. <laughs> we are spoken. <laughs> yeah, but, but Billy Ocean to me is a, he's a stud. He's a super stud. That's, I'm, I'm going to, that's going to mess my day up. Cause now I'm going to be sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, he just jacked Billy Jean. <laughs> It's hardcore. Yeah, yeah, you're you're gonna notice the difference in our hot takes as Rob's are gonna be really smart and mine's like I have a belly button, like <laughs> the on. complete opposite. So, <laughs> good call, Rob. I like it. Um, n- number one for me, um, just like a pill by Pink has the most rocking triangle part in music history. <laughs> okay, so everybody take a second, go to mi- second forty seven of the song when the chorus starts. Y'all know uh, just like a pill, right? I yeah. can run just as fast as I can. That little song. Yeah, yeah. Oh, listen, dude. listen to how high in the mix the triangle is, and he is going to town. So then I started thinking of other songs with rocking triangle, and I cannot find anything off the top of my head. The only uh, Big Yellow Taxi has a little bit of triangle in it, and there's one triangle hit at the end of uh, Amanda, Boston, before it goes into the chorus. There's one little hit. But in terms of rocking triangle, uh, Alicia Beth Moore, aka Pink, killing it. Um, Dallas just, Austin producer. Wonderful. Oh, yes. So you know another one of those, it, it, and I think it's actually finger symbols, but in sailing, the bridge in sailing. Okay. okay. Where he goes. <laughs> you hear this little ching, and I, for, before I knew what it was, I was always like, man, who? The producer must have played that, or the engineer, because it's <laughs> way too loud. Like yeah. it's way too loud. Yeah. Yeah, but I think they're fin- so it, technically because forever I thought it was triangle, and then the more I listened, I was like, ah, oh, I think that's finger symbols, which is even funnier that somebody as a producer, Michael O'Martian, who produced that song, was like, you know, what we could use on this guys. What are the little guys? You have finger symbols. Where are those? Yeah. Well, I know a guy in Chinatown that's got it's <laughs> open till midnight, maybe. But it's that shing 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 that little sound. But it's so loud. <laughs> I've uh, I, I mentioned that I'm kind of the band guy. I research who plays what, and I cannot find who the triangle player is on that for the world of me. I'm guessing it's probably the producer just doing yeah. a post or something or and it's then, a loop, it's or it's a loop, loop right. or something like that but he's uh it is cranked up to that, high heaven and that guy's brilliant he did i mean he did oh, Dallas Dallas Austin. Austin. he's done everything he did it's yeah. so hard to say goodbye for boys to men blue can waterfalls tlc he's done all the stuff with tlc yeah so he's yeah boring. that guy's a stud anyway rock and triangle also uh quick hot take on the side which i want to do on a hot take for real is maybe i'd say top five baselines of all time waterfalls but tlc that baseline is hot magma fire i work with uh the trumpet player's son for a while so there you go there it is is. at where cosmo called you and surprised you (laughs) that's right um those are good okay let's hear two let's let's what you got hot take two all right uh hot take two uh 
Lucy Silvis mentioned this a little bit in, in your recent episode with her about losing my religion. Um, brilliant episode, by the way, I loved her and I didn't know her. So thanks for introducing. Oh my gosh. Uh, you're me, welcome. Uh, to her. Um, but, um, uh, I'm going to bring it into, uh, first of all, I think a more extreme example of what she talked about, and I'm going to bring it into country music where it's, where I think it's even more rare. Um, <clears throat> also pop music, but shameless by Garth Brooks slash Billy Joel. Yep. Uh, doesn't have a chorus. It's, it just flows from one section to the other. The closest thing it has to a hook even is him going on. I'm shameless at the beginning of each, you know, a few of the Whoa. verses, but there's nothing that it comes back to. It's a, it's a verse, a verse, a bridge, a solo and an outro. Yeah. Cause that's control over me. That's really a bridge. Yeah. There's no, it never comes back to like, a, a chorus or even a big hook. It doesn't have, there's nothing that repeats in that song ever, except for him occasionally saying I'm shameless. does have a nasty guitar solo though. Oh, oh man. man. And steel. Uh, Dude, that is fascinating because that really is the hook. I'm shameless. And it's that long. <laughs> yeah, that's done. <laughs> yeah. that's God, it. that is crazy to think about. I'm shameless. I love that little look. I'm good loving you. Man, that is nuts. I'm sitting and there, it, my brain is just like, no, song, I mean, it was not. like the biggest, you know, I mean, that was the biggest song in the country world. You know what that song always makes me think of is it's like an iteration of the Bob Dylan. It's like a bigger, more rowdy version. It, it's from the same family lineage as um, To Make You Feel My Love. Now, that's weird. But what I mean is it kind of does that same thing. There's not a real chorus, quote unquote. Um and, and, I, a, and I, a lot of people have covered it too. Yes, <laughs> and it well, and it's Billy Billy Joel covered that, which is actually what made me think of it. But they kind of have that same thing where it's like you don't really get a hook, but yet it works. Yeah, it's like crazily a well. Song, yes, know, just turned it, up. Yeah, 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 it's turned up. Yeah, gosh, <laughs> Now that's gonna be stuck. With it. Just that one line. <laughs> I'm shameless. I remember so that that song, whenever I hear Garth's version of Shameless, I weirdly always think of Travis Tritt because when I was a kid, Shameless was when Shameless came out is my favorite song. Yeah. Um, and so the, at the end of the year, my local country station, shout out US 101. What up? Um, they did the like 100 countdown, you know, top 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 100 of the year countdown at the end and countdown to number one. And so the DJ gets to the top two and he's like, there are two songs left on this countdown. And one of them is Garth Brooks. Here he is at number two with Shameless. And I went, no! Number one was Anymore by Travis Tritt. Oh, and I was like, no. Get, just don't. How does Anymore beat Shameless? That's, that's exactly what I said. Like, <laughs> fantastic song. Love it. But come on. Shameless, dude. Come on. Jeez. Maybe if it had a chorus. Maybe it would have been yeah, number dude, one. That's, that, that was what knocked him out. Like, listen, we got to the very end. And somebody said, what's the chorus? And we couldn't answer it. So anymore just popped right up there god that's good all right number two number two for me this is probably my favorite so i want to make sure i get it out here in case people don't make it all the way to five in case they cut <laughs> us off they're like okay we're done with these guys so i might as well jump ahead to my favorite okay i want jesse frederick uh to write the theme song of my life when i die and those of you guys that don't know who jesse frederick is i'm gonna tell you he wrote four songs in the 80s that you'll know because they were four theme songs for all of TGIF. Um, and they're in four different keys. 
So let me help. I'm, I brought this uh, $20 classical guitar here. No, okay. Okay. But, oh, so you'll know. Uh, As days go by. The Family Matters theme song? Yes. Jesse Frederick. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. What's the other one? The, uh, the um, standing tall on the wings of my dreams. Perfect Strangers. Jesse Frederick. Step by step, Jesse Frederick. And then uh, the... The uh, whatever happened to predictability? That that one. No way. Full wrote all all four of them in four different keys. He controlled my childhood. <laughs> Frederick. Um, those were the shows. You know, you go Family Matters, Perfect Strangers, Full House, Step by Step. I normally didn't stay up for Step by Step because it was the last one, and I was like, man, it's ten o'clock, and I'm nine. It's time to go to bed. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I love that, that you had to tell yourself that. I know. Like, let's use some wisdom, Mosher. You know, tomorrow you got to get up and watch Muppet Babies. So it's like, you know, but, uh, so that's Saturday night. Um, and then say by the bell stuff. But um, so like, I want that, uh, that guy's going to write the, uh, he's going to give a minute and 30 seconds uh, about my life in the key of B when I die. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be one of the guys I would want to get on the podcast. That's amazing. let me and let me let me tell the listeners what one of the reasons that's such a profound thing. There is such a marked difference in being able to write a song like that for a TV show, like a, a hook, like a theme song, you know, because it's <clears throat> you have to get to certain places faster. It has to have a very um, uh, palatable emotion like something that makes you feel what the show won't, won't makes you feel without distracting you, which is this really weird algorithm. It's like <laughs> you got to get excited and it's got to, every time it comes on, you got to feel a certain thing. And, you know, and so it's weird because, you know, you don't, you don't see a lot of people write commercially and write f for theme show songs or, you know, theme songs and stuff. They, t you tend to find that people sort of do one of them pretty well. And, Guys like him, you just wonder like how much he tried to do the commercial thing. And people were like, listen, man, every time we write, it's only a minute and a half. <laughs> but man, it makes me feel really specific things. And it's very story-ish. That's great. I mean, that, the perfect stranger theme, the last one, the, the last line is my life, my dreams. Nothing's going to stop me. It ends on a two minor chord. D minor. Oh, that's right. What ends on a two minor seven? Whoa. And then you go to that little harmonica part. It's like, what in the world? Who ends a song on a two minor seven? Oh, that little. Oh, man. The harmonica part. Dang it. Harmonica. So, anyway. That is, that's one of the reasons, like, when you hear the Rembrandts doing uh, the Friends thing, it feels like such an anomaly because that was kind of a song already. Yeah. And then they turned it into the hit, you uh -huh. know. Yes. Uh, which I found that they, they didn't write, which is really interesting to me. No, it was um, Allie Willis. Allie Willis. Yeah, yeah. Allie Willis. Talk about her on. We did an episode yeah. on on uh, the rim on on uh, um, the Pretenders. Pretenders. Um, pretenders. No, no, no. Sorry, Rembrandts. The no, we did one on the Proclaimers. There we go. Oh, the Proclaimers. Yeah, five hundred miles. Which yeah, and she wrote uh, with them. She co-wrote that. Wait, she co-wrote that. Is that right? How did we get uh, now? The story is escaping me. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> Do you know what is still? I've, I've may have already done this in a hot take once, or I am going to, but I've got it queued up. I can't remember if I've done it. Or I'm going to, but one of my favorite lines of all music is in the 500 miles song. And it's, uh, I'd give almost every penny to you. Yeah. I love that line. It's not every penny. It's almost every penny. <laughs> it's such an honest line. <laughs> It's like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to give all my money to you, but I'll give a lot of it to you. Yeah. I'm like, that's very real. I, I believe you. You actually have earned my trust, Proclaimer.
Okay, so um, to cl- to clarify, Ali Willis co wrote the uh, the Friends theme song. Also co wrote September by Earth Wind and Fire. That's how we got what? to her. Yeah, she co wrote with Mo with uh, with uh, Mo White. Dave's uh, favorite tempo change song. Oh man, I yeah. love that. Is that is uh, I've had people ask me like, what's the song? What's the one song if it comes on you dance? And I'm like September. That's it. I can be in. I can be at a funeral, and that's terrible. But it could be like, and now we lay to rest. And I'll be like, shoot. And I'm like, why is that guy standing up? Oh god, I'm sorry, because my wife's like pinching me. Like, I'm sorry, baby. It's September. So inappropriate. Which may work at a funeral because it it gets faster, and everybody would cumulatively like slowly get happier. It'll work. It'll work at my funeral because it'll follow Jesse Frederick singing the story of my life. Yeah, it's true. And a two minor harmonica solo. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful, man! Uh, these hot takes you guys are delivering on every level that I needed you to deliver on. It's blessing me. All right, Rob, are we at three? Hot take three. Okay, yeah, number three. Um, all right, I'm going to call this hot take one plus one equals zero. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'll stand by you by the Pretenders, uh, who I just gave away by saying the Pretenders. Um, has one of the sneakiest key changes of all time, or it might be better to say that it has two key changes that end up changing keys zero at all. Um, so at the end of the first chorus, um, I'll stand by you. Won't let nobody hurt you. I'll stand by you. And then it hits flat three, four, flat seven is the new key. Okay. So it goes down a step for the second verse. Right. And then it does, a, a key, a, a key change, a step up into the second chorus, putting it back where it was <laughs> to begin with. Why do you do that? So, it, but it adds something that the drop in key adds a layer of emotion, and then you get the lift into the second chorus, which adds another layer. I don't know if they just didn't want to go up a whole other key. I think it's in. I can't remember if it's in D and would. It's and in they, D and goes to C. Yeah, and then drops down to C and then back up to D. Well, here's here's the thing. You know what I wonder, though? Thinking about it, that verse is higher than the chorus is. The melody. Yeah. So I wonder if it was like, I can't hit this like I want to. Yeah. So if we drop it and it takes the energy down for the verse. It goes high. Then it just sort of sits. It doesn't really get that high in the chorus. So I wonder if that was something where they went, hey, you know what? We can, because you, I mean, how many times have you written a song and anybody that's written a song knows this feeling where you get through it and you're like, oh, it feels great. Now sing it. And you sing it and you're like, oh boy, <laughs> that's higher than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you sing it in your head voice and then you're like, all right, play it through. And you start singing, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, boy, that's, I don't know if I can hit that full voice. So you just wonder if at the end of that, right, they were like, oh, you know what we can do. Let's drop, <laughs> let's drop it for the verse and then come back up for the chorus. That is fascinating. Well, another place that that's used, it's not the same because it does go down back. It's kind of in, uh, I know you're a Steve Land, a Hardaway Morris fan. Oh Steve, my gosh. It's uh, in there is in You're the Sunshine of My Life. It goes down a half step, a step and a half, excuse me. So the song's in B, you know, you're the sunshine. Of mm-hmm. And then it drops down to actually G sharp for what would be called the I guess that's the verse. I guess it starts with the chorus in B and then it goes down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Step and a half. Oh yeah. The verse. That's weird. And then Let me tell you something about St- Steve Land Morris. <laughs> that guy, I would argue, I'm I'm just throwing hot takes on hot takes here. 
I think more than any other songwriter alive, this is the hottest of hot takes because I've just basically shouted this from the mountain. <laughs> that guy does key changes more and better than anybody that's ever lived, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, like, if you think of a song of his, I promise you it's got a key change in it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, and I've talked about some hot takes, but my Sharia more, but another one, I remember covering Boogie on Reggae Woman, oh, and the God. guy was like, have you done your research on this? Like, oh, dude, it'd be great. He's like, maybe you should play through it a few times before you, we all cover it. And I was like, sure. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Boogie on. And then oh, it's you boogie on. I was like, why? In the middle of the chorus? Yeah. What is wrong with you, Stevie? I mean, he is, to me, untouchable with that stuff. It's like, because his brain, I think, that wasn't key changing to him. Yeah. He was like, no, that's where the melody goes. You're like, well, okay, sure. But like, you know what you're doing? He's like, yeah, no, no, that's it needs to go there. That's yeah. awesome. But think of the band, man. My God. <laughs> Nathan Watts. It's like, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> I'm just back here playing the bass, man. It's all it's all notes to me. All right. I feel for my third, I need to go uh, in classic JP fashion. Nothing super musical. Um, the greatest she mullet in the history of rock and roll has got to go to Pat Benatar. <laughs> Patty B. I can't think of a better she mullet. There's tons of good guy. There's tons of good guy mullets in the 80s. You know, anything in the 80s, you got Kenny Loggins, you got, you know, anybody, whatever from the 80s. But I can't think of a better female mullet than Pat Benatar. Maybe Joan Jett's kind of in the running. Oh, dude. She's got to be in the running, right? Running. Maybe Dolly Parton at some times. Um, Did Cher? I feel like Cher would be Cher, in that game. Yeah, kind of be in the game. Oh, sure she I, had the bangs. If I could turn back to... My favorite, nobody's going to know probably, uh, other than us CCM listeners, but Margaret Becker had an album called... Wow. Never wow. Do yourself a favor and pull up the cover of Never for Nothing. Whatever you do... Stop it right now and look at We that. could stop the podcast right now and you just earned so much respect from me <laughs> that you referenced a Margaret Becker, not of current state. That'd be one thing. Oh, like, what's up to? Let's Old school Margaret Becker for you. Oh my Margaret gosh. <laughs> when you, again, when, on that Dan Hasselton interview, when you referenced Larnell Harris and Twyla <laughs> Paris, my friends in high school called her Twila Paris because we thought she was really fancy. Um, <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like transported to another, another time, another place. Um, I, while we're on this CCM thing, can I throw in something that was a contender, probably about number eight on my yeah, come on. picks, but won't make it for its own. This album is arguably in the best ever. It's burlap to cashmere. No doubt. Uh, anybody out there? It's the, no doubt the greatest combination of nonsense lyrics, percussion, and wild acoustic guitar. I love that. So, I, I, so now you, this is your fault, JP. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tributary off here for a second. When I was in college, it, so so still uh, top five shows of all time was I saw them play at Exit Inn for about 50 people. Oh, and it I, was, I was like a sophomore in college. Um, and this was in a season where me and my friends used to drive to Nashville all the time to see shows, especially like cool CCM bands. Cause that was like, to me, the really, the kind of like the, uh, the pinnacle of Christian music was those like four years between 96 and 2004, 2002. Absolutely or sorry, 2000 and 2002. Um, but anyway, we drove up and I mean, that show was so good. I never, this is just one of my detrimental, uh, uh, characteristics. I don't, I can't, I never stay at a show the whole time. I just, I, at some point I'm just like, okay, I'm good. It, and other than Stevie wonder or That's like Rob's pet peeves, like you just yeah. annoyed him. I know. I'm you sorry. For the encore, you were, I know it's blame it, blame it on, you know, a career. It's like one of my career because I do it. I think, oh yeah, so. sure. But that show, I remember it ended and I was like, please don't be done. It was awesome. incredible. Now, 
Fast forward, and so I loved them. I bought that CD when it came out. Like I remember going to the store and like I was waiting for them to open so I could go buy that that album because I loved anything Squint did. Steve Taylor put out on the on the label. Yep. But I remember um, fast forward, gosh, you know, seven years, six years, and Steve moves to town, Delopolis. Yeah, and a friend of mine shoots his, and I was like, and he had just broken off to do his own thing, and I remember being like, dude, I want to meet this guy my buddy's like oh he's great you should meet him so we meet he becomes a really good friend like we hung out all the time this is before i was married and so it was like just you know hey you want to go grab tacos like done you know like it just one of the warmest most wonderful people but he would he i would go pick him up he'd be like they will play the song for you he's kind of that guy he's from new york and he would play these songs and i'd be like i don't how did you do that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it, it, his his brain is from such a different orbit that it was like, you know, and, and maybe y'all feel this way, but like when you've listened to music or played it enough, you kind of know the you know oh that's where you put the little door. Oh okay, clever you and I see how the windows and I can get in there and I know okay I got I got it. He would play songs. I'm like I don't I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to start that. I don't know how to. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like there's no, and then one of my favorite conversations with him, he came and played a show with me in Knoxville at the time and we're in the car and I'm just like, dude, can I just ask you a bunch of questions about your song? He's like, that's what I, literally the nicest guy you've ever met. I promise. And I was like, you know, uh, whatever treasure in heaven. He's like, oh, and every explanation of his song to your point, JP, he'd be like, I don't know. You know, it's just kind of, that's what I sang. <laughs> and I was like, what? No, nobody just sings lyrics like that. And he'd be like, I don't. And then he'd try to explain it. And it wouldn't make sense. Treasure, Treasures in Heaven to me is like if extreme more than words met <laughs> him doing his best Phil Collins vocal impression <laughs> on top of each other. You know, it's weird you bring that up. I listened to that record from front to back a week ago. That's awesome. For no reason. Wow. For no reason. I just put it on and I was like, I just want to listen to all of this right now for the, the day. I introduced it to my wife this past week. My wife is from Mexico and she was dancing like they do in Mexico. It was wonderful all the way through it. So <laughs> Note to self, was, always play her burlap together. Yeah, it was wonderful. That album, okay, this is the last thing I'm going to say because I have so much love for that record. Uh, you know, in, in my humble opinion, CCM of olden day, you know, before it became sort of more of a praise-centric um, genre like it is now, it put out a couple records to me that were truly like um, really monumental records. Not just, this is great music, but like, it doesn't matter if this is mainstream or mm -hmm. gospel. This is just incredible music. I, I put I put Jars of Clay's first record in that. I put Jesus Freak to me was is in that world. Um, but Burlap may be the top of that to me because it was just so no. Where did that come from? Nobody was doing that at the time. Um, and you you know you can hear the influences really strongly. That's not the point. I just think what they created from all those influences and how it was a CCM, even though arguably kind of wasn't. I just remember thinking like this is incredible. I can't believe this is on this label and these guys are this good. And that that album still. I mean, it, and it holds up. I listened to it. I was like, this is every bit as good as it was, if not maybe better. You know, twenty years ago. It's which is, I just said twenty years ago. Does that make everybody else feel? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. <laughs> I got to come off my burlap little thing there. That was good. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Hot take four. All right. Uh, hot take number four for me. Uh, I'm going to have to cut one that I really love. Okay. But I think this is the one for the moment. This is what I'm feeling. All right. Black Betty by Ram Jam. Okay. <laughs> what? How that's, that's the take. Cocaine were you on? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. My here's my hot take on Black Betty. First of all, everybody loves that song. Everybody, you yes. don't. It's one of those songs you can't not sing along with. Yeah, you know, in yeah. the car. Yeah. Uh, but my take is that Ram Jam should have either rehearsed more or played with a click when they recorded Black Betty. Because if you if you listen to it from a production standpoint, it's a disaster. It is like. I, I have no idea what's going on in that song and it would be totally unlistenable if it wasn't so cool. Like the tempo is changing all they have the hits when those, the hits that come in out of nowhere and they come in like out of time, out of nowhere. It's just, it's just a nightmare from a production standpoint. If it, <laughs> if it wasn't so catchy and cool, you would never be able to get through it. Pam Balam. Pam. <laughs> Wait, do they say, I'm just, do they say the name of the band in that song? No, but they should. <laughs> it rhymes. It would fit. Yeah. Black buddy, jam a ram, you know, something. I don't know. <laughs> do they say, do they say jam for the lamb? <laughs> <laughs> oh, black buddy, yeah. jam for the lamb. We're oh, back on CCM. <laughs> it's all coming around. So anyway, to recap, uh, Ram Jam should have practiced more. <laughs> the end. that sounds like something their manager might have said to him too when they turned that in they're like listen man you got a great hook there's like, no denying it. he's like i'm gonna send it to radio anyway but <laughs> just just so out. you know wait I, actually i want to ask a fun question because y'all would actually probably be able to answer this i don't know that i can so i'm not putting pressure on you because i don't think i can what are the songs you would actually apply that same thought to that were hits or that, i'm just gonna give it radio songs that you hear and you're like had they played the song before together <laughs> Oh gosh, I don't know if I can just pull one out of the air. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one. Here's one of mine: the guitar solo on "Doctor My Eyes" by Jackson Brown is. I love that song of all time. (laughs) And 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 so I found out, and God willing, I hope that guy didn't listen to this podcast if he's still alive. (laughs) God bless you, whoever played that. But I remember being on the road with a buddy of mine, and he has a friend like y'all, where he was like, "My buddy will know this," and so he texted him. This is 15 years ago. He's like, "Hey, what's the story on the Doctor My Eyes solo?" He's like, "Dude." Apparently the story is, is like, of course this guy knew this. Of course. Oh, you know who it is? It's Clay Cook. Oh, okay. It's okay. in uh that's in um Zach Brown band. Yeah. That was the infamous co-writer of Neon and some of John Mayer's early stuff. But Clay is like y'all. He's just like he knows everything about everything. And he said, um, apparently, I don't know if this is true. So anybody listening to this can fact check us, but so I'm putting a huge asterisk by this because I don't know if it's true. But he's but he said the guy didn't know they were recording. And he was like running it to kind of just get it. And at the end, I guess producer was like, cool, we got it. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, no, that's it. And he's like, no, 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 It is. It is terrible. It is truly God bless him. And he, he's a better guitar player than I am, whoever that was, but it's really not good. The worst one is I have to trump you. It's not that it's intentionally played in the wrong key. Uh, it's Mark Tremonti on with arms wide open is the worst guitar solo ever. It's definitely in the wrong key. He's a fantastic guitar player, but songs in C and he's straight up playing an F. So listen to it. Dude, I have to go listen to that. Yeah, when you're when you're done, do yourself a favor. And Mark Shimani, we love you. We'll hope to have you on the podcast soon to talk about Creed. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, that's uh it's all awesome. Rob, you gotta have one of these. Surely there's somewhere that you have oh, a recording or a solo or something where you're like, How did these guys not know what was happening? N- nothing is coming Nothing's to mind. I'm drawing a total blank. He'll send you know, it X later. We'll drop it in. Oh, well, the, yeah. um one of the other, this is not particular to a song, but it's more of a thing. Ed Cash, one of my best friends and producer of my records forever, was the guy that hipped me to his hatred for pentatonic blues solos over major changes, which I didn't know oh. that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so my 22-year-old self, I come in and play in this song that I love. I, I still love this song. And he's sitting and listening like, yeah. And the guy starts doing the piano solo in the middle of the song. And he's like, oof. And I'm like, 
it's good, huh? He's like, mm. he's like, just hold on. <laughs> the song gets done. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, he does that thing I can't stand. I was like, what? He's like, it was like a blues solo over just major changes. And I yeah. was like, and it was like he suddenly made a mind's eye for me that was like, and it opened. And since then, I can't unless it's super tasteful and yeah. very purposed. And you know, this guy or girl, she knows exactly what she's doing. And that's why it's cool. Otherwise, like that thing, it is like, it just crawls down my spine and starts shaking me. I'm like, yeah. I can't do it. You get it. one lick. You get yes, one blues yes, lick. Yes. Yeah. And you know why? I think most of the time it's because people don't know. You may be thinking of it because of Mark Tremonti. And look, Mark may be a genius. I don't know him at all. But um, it tends to be when people, they only learn blues scales. And then someone's like, hey, here's. And they're like, what? You know, they're doing all the bends and the blues. And you're like, oh, sweet. Dude. It is, isn't it? It's like once, and I hope I didn't, I hope we didn't affect people that are listening to this podcast because it is one of those things that once somebody shows you, you never unhear it. Yep, absolutely. And it'll ruin so many Rolling Stone songs. For Everything you. positive we had with the mullets, we just went down <laughs> south with the, uh, the blues. Oh, that was good. That was good. That blessed me deeply. All right, number four for me. Um, man, it's I'm down to two, so I gotta be selective. Uh, okay, we'll go with uh, "Glycerine" by Bush is the oh most is the most hard rock song ever to not have drums. <sighs> there are no drums in "Glycerine" by Bush. The honorable mentions that I have, my favorite is "Welcome to the Machine" by Pink Floyd, but it's got cymbals at the end, so I can't really count You're that in, because that's a percussion instrument. Closely followed by Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles, but it's got the, ah, look at all the that's not very hard rock. <laughs> it's too sweet. So that doesn't count. Um, so I got to go with Glycerine by Bush is the most Glycerine. hard rock is the most hard rock song to not have drums. Simple progression, just one, five, six, four. But I mean, it's the way it's played and delivered. I can't think of a more hard Golly, rock song without what? drums. What a issue! What what a challenge issue to try to think of the hardest <laughs> rock song without drums. Like my brain is like flipping over, and it's. And I thought about this because the last time we hung out with you, I came out and I sat down in the car, and Lightning Crashes was playing by Live, and I'm like, man, it takes forever for the drums to come in on this song. I can't even remember when they come in. I'm like, wow, I wonder if the like I was like, when does what other songs are rock without drums? And I kid you not, the next song on the radio was Glycerine by Bush. And I was uh, like, well, there's my answer. God, God <laughs> it was just like, answered you. question answered. Dude, that's yeah. crazy. What a great hot take. I, I Yeah, when? That's a huge... I mean, I've got... No, uh, no I can't think of anything right now. <laughs> you know what I love this too is I always imagine somebody's listening like yelling in their car. Come on! What about... And it's this one! Somebody online, or I think I saw a meme that said the closest you can come in real life to being a ghost is knowing an answer that a podcast host is trying to think of while you're listening. <laughs> you're just going, no! That's amazing. So there's probably something out there. I didn't do a whole lot of deep research on it, but those are the ones that just came to my head. And that's because they were presented to me. Like it was like I wouldn't have maybe thought of glycerine right off the top of my head, but it followed lightning crashes, which helped me. Yeah, that's good. God, that's really going to mess with me today. Okay. Well done. Well played. <sighs> Number Rob, five. This is, this is big, Rob. You got to make some decisions. Hot take five. Okay. All right. I'm going with this. This is, <clears throat> this was the scorcher. Okay, this could get me canceled. <laughs> this could get me canceled. Um, I could be out of the club after this. Mm. To be such a classic song, 
sexual healing by Marvin Gaye is not very good. <gasps> this is my take. And here's okay, why. Come on. Come on. If somebody other than Marvin Gaye brought you that song, you'd be like, yeah, okay, let's, you know, let's try and work on this and see if we can pull something out of it. You know, it really has the one strong line, right? When I get this feeling, I need sexual healing. And other than that, the whole song really just meanders. There's no strong hooks or melodies to speak of, except maybe the get up, get up, get up, wake up, wake up, you know, which by the way, since the Marvin Gaye estate is about suing people over maybe plagiarizing, why haven't they not gone, gone after Bone Thugs and Harmony? Oh first my time? gosh. <laughs> Yeah, wake it's the up, first of the month. Wake up, it's the first of the month. Get up, get up, get up, get up. It's the same, you know, but that's my that's my hot take on Marvin Gaye. I'm sorry. You're not supposed to do that to Marvin Gaye. I'm but- literally taking notes because my brain is flying at such a quick pace. I will. I, here's one of my pushbacks about that song. That, uh, the, it's good for me. That part is bad. That little part is but I'm kind of with you. It is one of those songs that if you type the lyrics out, you're like, oh, there's seven words. Yeah. And, and the just, whole song, it feels like nothing really repeats, you know, except for that one line. Um, that is a song. I will tell you all the way through. I would cry my eyes out. And this is way too big of a, because there'd be a million songs, but that is one I would use as an archetype for if you had a different band playing that song, it would be nowhere near as good of a song. Yeah. Like just some white dudes playing it. Yeah. It would be so unbelievably boring. Can you imagine a guy at like a coffee shop playing it on guitar, like just strumming? You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, or just doing the crunk, 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 over and over trying to sing the you song. Go, over there, like, crunk, dude, crunk, you're crunk. a perv. You, yeah, sexual healing. Get off, get away. Yeah, get, get away. Yeah, don't get off. But Marvin Gaye got away with it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> you know, the thing I wrote, I laughed so hard. And here's a gosh, I'm, I'm the king of the tributary here, but um, here's the offshoot bone to me. Isn't it funny what they did? I saw the funniest like story on Instagram. This guy posted where he was like, <laughs> Crossroads comes on and, and it's his dad. He's like our age. And he's, he's like, uh, he's like, oh, this is my jam. He's like, all right, here we go. Like, have you ever known a song where you know the form of something and, and I miss my uncle Charles. Oh, yeah. There's like and seven lines in that that everybody sings in the crowd, but but you know the rhythm. Yeah. It's like it's like learning. Uh, basically, you're basically learning a drum solo. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like the rhythm is what you know, and you know the hook yeah. and the melody, but. Nobody, but it's funny you said about Bone because I laughed so hard because I was like, that is what that song is such an anomaly for, and them as a you know, th- their whole thing. Like, first of the month was the same, but it's like those they 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 got you by the rhythm of what they sang, not really because nobody knows what they sang, uh-huh. yeah. but you just <laughs> love the sort of being in doing that two note little king game, it's like something way- in your brain is like, yes. A brilliant hot take of yours early on was the fact that they were the they were the forerunner of like modern country melodies. Yeah, twenty years later. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember driving in my car one day and I was listening to country music. Like somebody has been listening to a ton of Bone, <laughs> which is a really weird thing to say out loud as a <laughs> sentence. Um, oh, that's good. I love that. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, grand finale for yeah. for me. I uh, man, I don't. Okay, I pro- I used all my good ones. This is now. This is as, as controversial as it gets. Um, the greatest one-two punch of the '80s with lead vocalist and electric guitarist is. Oh, that's, whoa, whoa, whoa! I just want to pause before yeah. you say this. 
Because this is a big one. This is a huge one. This is one. This is this is the era. The eighties was the era of the ripping guitar solo. Absolutely. I mean, guitarist and the rock and roll and the rock and okay. roll vocalist. The best combination of the two for JP. This could be debated for years. Is drum roll Steve Perry, oh, yeah. Neil mean, Sean, yeah. Yeah. Journey. And but let, yeah. I'll tell you why, and then you can tell me why I'm wrong, or you can go, you know, Bon Jovi, you can go wherever. But let's just talk 80s. Okay, so 78 had Infinity, that had Will in the Sky, Patiently Lights. 79, Evolution, Love and Touch and Squeezing. First album of 80 is Departure with Any Way You Want It. Okay, then we go 81, Escape. Let me tell you the track listing on this album, as this vinyl, as I hold it up in front of your face on the uh, screen. Escape has Don't Stop Believing, Stone in Love, Who's Crying Now?, Keep on running, still they ride, escape, mother, father, and it ends with open arms. Um, it ends it with. Ends, ends with, with open, open arms. arms. And it also inspired one of the greatest Atari games ever. <laughs> and it was the first album to feature Jonathan Cain, but whatever. That's So that's how they start the heyday of their 80s, is 81 with that album. Right. Follow, follow it up with Frontiers, which has separate ways, center my love, faithfully, after the fall. Boom. So, and then 86, Raised on Radio, where they brought in Randy Jackson on bass. They should have kept Ross Valerie, but that's another story. I'll be all right without you. <laughs> that's and, another story for another time. And be good to yourself. So, Can we just talk really quickly how good that song is, I'll Be All, all Right Without You? Yes, please. God, that song is so good. Wonderful. On, raised on Radio. So, Ugh. so and, here, okay, let, let, can we just, for people listening, let's talk about who that beats. Yes. Like, so let's just listen. We have Bon Jovi. Uh-huh. We have Aerosmith. And in that era, but, but you, we're talking eighties. That doesn't 80s include only. that doesn't include the seventies era. That doesn't, doesn't include, include the nineties era. You have like some of those kind of yeah. I think Aerosmith got a bump in the nineties, actually. Yeah. Believe it or not. Um, so if you're going nineteen eighty to nineteen eighty nine, the greatest combination is those two. Which, so let me tell you, the Van Halen. Well, people I'm taking are at, furious no, right no, now. because I'm a Van Halen guy, but they get a bump for me with Sammy Hagar. See, I'm the Which same. Which runs into the 90s. So That's I, true. That's I, true. Put, I put Perry and Sean over Eddie and Roth. Now, if if Eddie and Hagar are in the 80s only, it's a I'm actually with you. It's a different conversation for you. me. I'm trying not to explode over here because. Yeah, who, yeah where, where are you on this? Well, okay. Just, just thinking of Van Halen albums in the 80s. Okay. You 84. Ivor Down, yeah. which is okay. They're least successful, but my favorite. Um, 1984. Okay. That's a banger. Then you've got two Sammy Hagar albums, 5150, your favorite Van Halen album. But doesn't. And, and OU812 in 1988. But they get four unlawful carnal knowledge and balance in the 90s, 90s yeah. which would jump. If those hit in the 80s, we're having a completely different conversation. <laughs> but those landed in the 90s. So we're going 80s. Steve Perry, Neil Sean. Let me give them another boost, too. I was, me and Robert were talking. Journey, he didn't even know I was going to use a Journey hot take. If you see them live in the 80s, Let's talk about how on their tracks, uh, Don't Stop Believing is like 119 BPM live. It's 125. Okay. So they're going faster. They're going, let's, yeah. let's talk about how much faster Wheel in the Sky is live. Okay. It's 105 on the studio track. It's 125 live. So, and Neil Sean plays the same guitar solo that he plays at 105, which is stupid fast, at 125. Dude, that is so much faster. It is running. It is speeding. Get your click track. Look it up. Watch their live in Philadelphia at JFK. It's 125. 
It's ridiculous. Holy cow. So anyway, that's my that, take. That'll take a four-minute song to a two-minute 45 song. It, it really is. They have a 30-minute set because they played this, and it's like they just like, well, we'll just do everything faster. We want to keep the same oh, set. It's, I wonder if It's moving. That. It's adrenaline. It's And Rob was talking about how he – that's why he likes to play with a click live, and that's why I don't like a click yeah, because yeah. I just want to get in and just – I'm Go. adrenaline. Let's just do it. Yeah. I want to I want to fight my own adrenaline. I need the the click brings me freedom. I go, at least if everything else goes wrong, I know this was at the right tempo. <laughs> oh, dude, that 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 um that is to me one of the great dilemmas of live shows. Do you follow the passion and where your heart's going and then never listen to the playback? Don't do it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Or do you Maybe sacrifice some of the adrenaline of the live show, but then when you go back and watch it on YouTube, you're like, God, look how good we sound. Right. You know? So so here's here's one of the this was I love playing this game with my Nashville friends, my other Nashville songwriters. Um, and and it's the game of like who would be the most and I'm gonna let y'all play this because which I've sort of already shown my hand here, but stay with me. Who would be the worst? Actually, y'all would be really fun to play this with because y'all know this world so well. Who would be the worst round? for you to be in for how good these songwriters are. And let me add the, <laughs> no, listen, let me add some qualifications. It can't be the artist. So not Michael Jackson. That's a cheat. I mean, like songwriters, you know, like who would be the worst for just how many hits they're dropping that you're never going to follow that, oh, that you're just like, there's no way to beat this. Okay. So like, again, you're in Nashville, it's 10 pan South. There's a round. They're like, Hey, JP, Rob, we want you guys to come play, you know, and let's even say you've had a bunch of hits, right? Who are the three people? I'll give you two. Who are the two yeah, people you, you're you like, give us some, I don't want to be in that round, you know? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think I immediately jumped to like Wayne Kirkpatrick. Yep. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a really, really good one. Um, And uh, like any of that crew, the yeah. Tommy Sims, like the, you yeah. know, um, gosh, who you got, JP? Man. Um. I mean, I mean, it could be anybody. Well, let me let me just jump to the end of yeah, this so you guys give can us, be relieved. Give us one or two of yours. I've thought about this at length. At length. <laughs> this keeps you. And like, I've had I've people. Been, I've had a yeah. I've had Tony Arada. Like, who wants to follow the oh, dance? Course. You yeah. know, like who wants to follow? Um, that's that list is doing. But let me tell you who tops the list, and I will never budge on this being true. Okay, Neil. I mean, not Neil Sean. Jonathan Kane. Okay. Oh. Don't stop. Can you imagine a worse person to follow in a round? Okay, like that, because you got the dance, you got friends in low places in Nashville. It's going to shut the place down, but guess what? It's not going to beat. You can't follow Journey songs. And, and it, I don't, other than maybe it, it, Michael Jackson, because Journey has this thing, and this is where I'm backing you up, JP. Watch how I make this. Thank you. I appreciate the support. They didn't have songs. They had global anthems. That's wonderful. Oh, and I think wonderful. to me, like you can find a kid in Malaysia <laughs> and they play beat it. And he's like, I love the song. You start playing journey. Don't stop believing. And that kid's going to like t rip his shirt off and run around swinging around <laughs> his head. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're global hits. They're global hits. And yeah. So I think that's awesome for me. That's the difference between a, a huge song. And then a song that's like, no, this isn't just loved in America and Europe and, the English speaking, you know, England, this is loved in fricking Taiwan. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And so Jonathan, he is and to me, and his wife gets up and prays the prayer of salvation with Paul. Right. It's like, Oh, we're done. Like, yeah. Call, yeah. It. Yeah. Call, call it. it. <laughs> call it. 
<laughs> and so I think like that, that I, I've laughed. And the reason it made me think about it is I saw a 10 pan South email one year and it was him standing, singing in a round. And I thought that's my nightmare. There it is. That's, that's it fully. And because then I played the game of like, well, who else would be again, as a writer, that's uh-huh. a big qualification, not an artist. And I was like, I can't think of anybody that's worse. And of uh-huh. course, somebody in their, you know, minivan right now is yelling someone yeah. mm-hmm. that I'm not thinking about as they listen. But to me, he is the archetype for like My, every time the round comes around. I'm like, oh gosh. The one I would think of would be Carol King, and that's just because mm, she's written that's a great stuff call. for everybody. And her stuff's gonna make it's gonna run the gambit of happy, and there's gonna be some crying in there. You and, make me feel. I mean, yeah, it's passionate, it's fullest, and then I'm gonna get up there and be this quirky guy. So I'm not gonna translate well as following Carol King. So that's my yes. that's my nightmare. <laughs> like, who brought this guy? Oh in? my gosh! Yeah, that's the one. Can I can I interject a yeah. journey hot take? Oh, in, please do. Hold it into this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just in the cheese okay so here's what i'm gonna do lights by journey um is my favorite song that half the lyrics are unfinished um oh my gosh please explain that there's so much whoa whoa and na na in that song (laughs) that's right okay so every like every verse is when the lights go down in the city and the sun shines on the bay right i want to get back to my city oh (laughs) and then literally now, okay, now I'm going to kick it up a notch. Now sing the bridge, right? So out on the road without you, without you. They like literally just didn't bother finishing the lyric. You know what that is? I can, I can tell you. Cut to Steve Perry sitting in his house with, let's, let's just for the fun of this, say he wrote it with somebody. And they're like, uh, when are y'all recording again? He's like, dude, tomorrow. Like, shoot. Okay, I gotta go. I gotta pick up my daughter right now. Um, shoot. Okay, tonight. No, no, no. We got this thing downtown. God. Um, what time do y'all go in, dude? We're at like ten. Ah, oh, man. Okay, I tell you what. I'll call you in the morning. I'm gonna stay up tonight and try to finish the lyrics. Steve's like, great, great. Well, like, you know, it doesn't happen. The guy sleeps <laughs> in. He walks in the studio and they're like, all right, Steve, we gonna do lights. He's like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> And he just, you know, na, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. And then he's like, hey, Jim, what's up, man? Um, he's like, hey, dude, I finally got this. He's like, yeah, so the, so the bad news is, oh, let me tell you the good news. We cut lights. It sounds like a hit. He's like, that's great. That's great. And he's like, so here's the bad news. They love it. Well, what do you mean they love it? No, they they like the whoa, whoa, na-nas. And he's like, we didn't write any whoa, whoa, na-nas. And he's like, well, they're on there now. <laughs> and so we may have started a new genre. That that was a placeholder till we could get the lyrics in and we're keeping it. Yeah, yeah now it's just whoa, whoa. I just like whoa, whoa, na-nas as a word. I just want that to be, I want that to be a children's show. It's <laughs> the whoa, whoa, na-nas. The whoa, whoa, na-nas. Oh. It, to me, it sounds like a place where you don't want to get hit. <laughs> No, that's what you yell when they're trying to hit them. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no. <laughs> that's good. Oh, my gosh, guys. You guys are legends. This was so much fun. And I have to tell you, those were exactly what I hoped for. They were well-informed. They were passionate. They were um, uh, opinionated. And they were hot. You guys really delivered. So tell people really quick before we sign off, tell everybody a little bit about uh, uh, what you guys do on the podcast and why they should listen. Uh, okay, we say it every time. Every time we say we celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. 
Um, and then I say, JP, how you doing today? And Man, he says, I'm doing fantastic. I just blah, 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 blah. But, uh, that's, that's the goal is like, we keep it light. We keep mm. it fun. Uh, we celebrate, you know, mm. we don't even, even we try not to get into a lot of like tragedy. If there's, you know, if a song has, we just try and keep it. We're the, we're like the Jimmy Fallon of song podcasts. We're the opposite of like your NPR Yes. You know what I mean? Where they really dig into like yep. the emotional trenches. We're like the, Hey, let's, you know, um, <laughs> but still want you to know, leave like feeling like you learned something, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, I think to this day, the best, the best story that I've learned, and there's no way I can tell the whole story, but like the, one of the funnest things that I've learned on our show is we did an episode on, I wish by Skilo, you know, everybody knows. Oh, yeah. Was a little, oh, oh yeah. Was yeah. Little, yeah. The, the story of, learning why the 64 Impala is important to hip hop culture. It is in that episode and it was mind blowing. It made me feel so good. Um, the anyway, I want, but just yeah, a little, yeah, yeah. people got to listen. I love that. Give it a tease. That's right. Learn something that's going to make you feel good today. Go, go listen to our, our episode on, I wish, but that's, yeah, that's kind of what we do. We just talk about why this stuff is awesome and why we love it. And we've had a good run of getting to interview a lot of people over the past run. We've had like 30 or 40 in the past, couple weeks a couple months or so and it's been so rewarding to get to hear them say how what we do matters and mm. like bring them back so that that really helps yeah you guys really and do in large in large part thanks to you by yeah, the way thank the first, you Dave. The first time we've told you this personally but the first time you came on our show it opened so many other doors for us because you were somebody who's right now you know what i mean we've talked to you know some older guys who are quote unquote past their prime or whatever but um, so we, you know, we always will be eternally grateful for that. So man, thank you. <laughs> and well, we, it's, it's, yeah, go and, ahead. and we don't have a blue check mark, you know, we're just your, <laughs> we're your average guys. Everybody that's been on your hot takes has the blue check mark. We don't even have like no. an X or a red. Check. We're I, just like happy to be in the conversation. I kid so you not. I kid you not. Our Twitter feed has an emoji on it of, I think it's sushi because it's the closest thing I could find that oh looks like gosh. a <laughs> mark. I love that. Classic sushi move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys. And again, if you if anybody's listening before we check out, if you get a chance to listen to it, it's such a great podcast. And if you like music at all, you will love that podcast. That these guys just you guys crush it. So, thank you so much for coming on and dropping some hot, hot knowledge, hot takes. These five hot takes, yeah.